Hey, you found us. Welcome to Comfortably Uncomfortable, Not Another Running Story. I'm Megan Fanning, and I'm joined by Sean Meehan. We created this podcast to continue the real conversations that we have when we get outside to run, bike, surf, climb, or whatever it is that you do. We love the real conversations when boundaries come down, because really, that's when it gets interesting. Hey, gang. We have a favor to ask of you. If you would go to the app that you use to listen to our podcast, please follow and subscribe to our show. This really helps us. And it also really helps you because you will never miss an episode. While you're there, if you could also leave us a five-star rating and a great review. These type of things are super helpful for us because they help our ratings. Last but not least, share this with a friend. There's somebody out there who hasn't heard this and I'm sure would appreciate the share. Thanks, everybody. Hey, everyone, just a quick reminder. This is part two of Phil Carcia, our humble king of the White Mountains. So if you want to go back and listen to part one, um, it was the last episode we released We start off with talking about Phil's so-called failed attempts. They weren't really failures, but attempts that didn't end up as he wanted them to. So that's where we pick up. Enjoy. You know how a regular person could wrap their head around this is go, um, go to one of the, one of the white mountains peaks plan a day trip that's it plan a day trip get yourself out there do the climb come back and that's i mean well i mean you maybe you hit more than one peak that day but let's say that's one <laughs> that's one little piece of it and just think about the logistics that you as a regular person just have to you know we're going on a white mountains day hike for six hours for eight hours whatever it is then expand it <laughs> yeah it's it's really awesome, and I admire that you didn't do it the first two times. I really do. I think that, not that I wish failure on anybody, but sure. sometimes I kind of do because I think the lessons that we learn, and I, I don't even like the word failure because I don't think you failed. I think you learned incredible lessons about the environment and about you and about the people around you and the support that you need. So we need another, we need another word, but those false starts, (laughs) they put it that way. Maybe those, those false starts brought you to where you are today and you wouldn't be doing what you're doing today if you hadn't made those mistakes or yeah. 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 It's, it's cool. It's, it's really cool. I, um, I'm reminded of a conversation I had on the last day of summer 2021 with a woman named Serena Ryan, who um, owns the Notch Hostel in North Woodstock, New Hampshire. This is a place that I I lived and worked during the single year grid. I still work, I still live and work there, usually from November to to April each year. Um, but uh, she sent me a message, sort of like congratulating me that second year, not knowing that I was going to fall short um, on the last day of summer, and uh, I, you know, responded. Uh, appropriately and told her like hey sorry boss like 
this isn't going to be the year. And she wrote something to the effect of, well, this makes the story all the more interesting. Yep. And at, at, <laughs> at, the, at the time, I wanted to throw my phone off a cliff because in your head, you're like, I don't care about interesting. I want to hit my potential. And I've just spent the last two summers, six months now, like, you know, maybe like $15,000 total, like, trying to do this that's interesting enough and like i'm still not there of course you process and you digest and you accept what's happening and you accept your role of course and in, in, in everything that's happened and um now sitting here talking with you all today like the narrative wouldn't feel complete if i hadn't had three rounds on the white mountains guide i'm i'm deeply grateful for that um it makes for a cool, interesting story, of course, but like, to your point, I was given such a rare opportunity. I have seen every marked trail in the White Mountain National Forest in their entirety a minimum of three times over the last three years. I have this insane current snapshot of the state of the White Mountain National Forest. That's something that no one else really has. And in addition to that, now um, moving forward, as I look to continue to like expand my 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 project resume in the White Mountains and really start to ask questions like, what is next? Um, I'm I'm able to draw on that knowledge base and start doing some very very cool stuff. For example. Um, in early July, I went out and established something that, that I'm calling the White Mountains Wilderness Route, which is a 115-mile um, connection of trails that link up the six federally designated wilderness areas in the White Mountain National Forest. So that's the Caribou Speckled Wilderness, that's the Wild River Wilderness, that's the Great Gulf Wilderness, the Presidential Range Dry River Wilderness, the Pemigewasset, and the Sandwich Range Wilderness. Um, hadn't really seen that concept anywhere in, in the White Mountains previously where you're actually going through and traversing the wilderness areas and and connecting them and 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 attempting it in in one full push and um you know i'm i'm now starting to put information out there about this wilderness route i i think this you know has the potential to become a um genuinely like a, a an icon of of the white mountain national forest a test piece of the of the white mountain national forest it is the anti-48 um, although it does, it does, you know, climb some 48, 4,000 footers. The, the goal is to, is to take you on the path less traveled. It's to take you into very quiet, um, sometimes poorly maintained, sometimes poorly marked corners of the White Mountain National Forest. It is, it is designed to, um, you know, give, give the, the White Mountains athlete an opportunity to, to test themselves against the underbelly of this national forest and not these squeaky clean 4,000 footers that have, you know, clearly defined, clearly marked paths to their summits with you know two three four five dozen people uh along the way and um and yeah as i as i really like start to look at what the body of work is 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 going to look like you know over the next let's say like even two to three years again it's this opportunity um to kind of draw on the knowledge base that i've that i've developed over over the last three to five years you know both 
knowledge base in the mountains, but also like knowledge base of who I am and what I'm capable and what I'm willing to do and what I'm not willing to do. And, um, you can't buy that shit. Like there, there is like actually no way to get all those things. Even like the real woo woo, like existential stuff, you know, it's like, you really can't like buy that. Like you have to be out there in the trenches, like Mm -hmm. thinking about your dead dad, thinking about the White Mountains hiking culture, thinking about what is left in terms of pioneership in this place where I cut my teeth. Like, like it can't be done from the internet. Like it has to be done like out there. And um, yeah, for, I mean, for those reasons, I'm just super grateful for for the whole, you know, the whole journey leading up to this point. I think that kind of echoes what you were, what you were saying, Megan. So I have a question. Oh, sorry. sorry, Sean. The, you, and it kind of links into what you're talking about. Um, FKT, fastest known time, is a very big deal in our world. And, um, you know, we're always following. Although when we were talking the other day, I've learned that you don't apply for any FKTs. And, you know, for those who are listening that that aren't in the endurance world, um, you know, having your name attached to an FKT is a it's kind it's cool. It's kind of like um kind of like a cool bumper sticker, <laughs> you know, that, that lasts for however long it lasts until somebody, until somebody's faster than you. Why don't you ever put in for FKTs? Yeah, this is a, this is an amazing question. And it comes with like a few nuances that I'm actually really excited to kind of, to kind of talk about briefly. Um, so yeah, fastest known time is, is at this point, a, a global movement, um, that was started like many decades ago. And, and, um, there is an official website, there is an official tally board, um, and fastest known times are, uh, basically traverses on anything and everything you, you, you can think of. Um, and, and these, these, these segments are, you know, full mountain range traverses or like your, your street down the road, like, you know, in your, in your neighborhood anything, yeah. at home. Um, can be considered a fastest known time and it's and it's basically the act of you know moving across this this distance as quickly as possible and categorizing it on this you know quote official website and you know seeing how the times sort of stack up against one another and um, there are supported fastest known times where you know you're getting assistance from other people there are self-supported fastest known times where you are effectively setting up assistance for yourself along the way beforehand. And there are unsupported fastest known times where you are accepting no assistance from anyone, including yourself. You're going out and traversing a particular trail or a a particular distance, completely self-contained, picking up only water along the way, but carrying your own food and and gear, um, not leaving any kind of waste or garbage behind. and so, you know, this is a global movement. I mean, this is this this has like completely overrun, um, overrun, you know, hiking, running, endurance culture. It is this brand new pocket, brand new in quotes, mm-hmm. because again, it's been around for you know a few few dozen years at this point, I, I think. Um, but it's just kind of gained massive popularity, mainstream popularity, I think, you know, really like within the last fi- you know five years or so. And like to your point, Megan, like. Yeah, it's a very cool hip thing that people love to talk about. Um, people love to have their names attached to. There are like iconic, iconic 
super competitive FKTs on, on, on that website, things like the Appalachian Trail, the Long Trail, the Colorado Trail, the, the 4,000 footers in the New Hampshire. I mean, you name it, it's on there. Um, and, and I totally understand that. But for me, although I could go on and I could submit a lot of what I do on the Fastest Known Time website, give them all the data, yada, yada, um, for, for me, a, a lot of this stuff doesn't necessarily belong on there. Um, so like, yes, I've climbed all 48, 4,000 footers in, in, in all, you know, 12 calendar months, the act of the grid, I've done that quicker than anyone else has. There's only been one other individual who's, who's, uh, gone out and completed it in a calendar year. That's a, a woman named Susanna Johnston. This is a, a ultra marathon mountain running pioneer. She's amazing. She's yeah. A, she's a amazing. White, yeah. White mountains pioneer. Um, many first to her name and in 2016 she went out and, and completed the calendar year grid and her effort that year was given a nod an honorable mention nod by the by the fastest known time committee um as like a, a runner-up type thing where they have like fastest known time of the year every year and um this is an interesting story that i've told before and again there's a lot of nuances here but i think it's relevant to the story she actually went on the comment board, you know, when she was nominated or given this honorable mention nod, um, you know, being very gracious, saying thank you, but also being very clear that, like, I was not interested in, in completing a fastest known time of the White Mountains grid. I was interested in completing the calendar year grid. And although the calendar year grid, of course, did by default become the fastest known time for the White Mountains grid, those were two very different things in her mind. And even though I've never necessarily like had this conversation with her, I, I think the reason why those are two different things is because in her mind, like fastest known time culture and white mountains culture were, were two different things. And, and so um, she kind of went on to say, if I was going to complete a fastest known time of the grid, this is what I would do. I would compress all 48, 4,000 footers into the last week of the first round and the first week of the last round and fill all of the, the months in between and, and kind of count it by the elapsed number of days that you traveled. You know, she kind of admits that's not what I did. I'm just doing this by default. And of course, like me reading that conversation in the comments gave me the idea to actually go out and do that with the single year grid. I, I, you know, started my first round the last week of August. I started my last round the first week of July. I got all 10 rounds in between and I structured my single year grid in a way where that it would be the fastest known time. And in terms of elapsed days, it was five weeks shorter than Susanna Johnston's. But, but again, for me, like, I don't even see this shit as like a fastest known time. This is like, pioneership in the white mountain national forest this is white mountains culture this isn't fastest known time we culture. need a new category for for you guys R real talk <laughs> or, or just a new dot com altogether um and you know you look at something like the single season white mountains guide a at first i wanted the fastest known time there's a gentleman on there who is credited as the fastest known time holder for the white mountains guide at the time it was referred to as redlining um, this, this time was submitted during a period in the website where everything was 
honors based. So you were not required to submit any data. You were, you were not required to show any proof. All you had to do was log on to their forum, say, I did this and you were considered the record holder. And uh, there's a gentleman who came on and, and said that I hiked the White Mountains Guide in a period of, I think, something like eight, eight months or so in 2013. And um, this is what my time was. No list of specific trails, no GPS data, no elevation, no trip report, nothing. But it was held to um, be a credible claim because of the way that the website worked um, at that time. And so for me, you know, originally I thought like, yeah, okay, cool. I'm going to actually do this right. I'm going to go out, record all my data, submit all my data and, and pursue this like fastest known time of the white mountains guide. And the more I looked at it, it was just like, you know what, man, you are, you are, you are being motivated by, by the wrong things. Um, because if I really wanted to get the fastest known time for the White Mountains Guide, I don't have to do this in 90 days. I can go out and do this in seven months, six months. I can hike 10 miles a day. I can be at home with my partner um, watching Law and & Order and like ordering Domino's at night. Like, th like that looks like a very different experience. Not, so not my, anymore. <laughs> right. Well, hey, we got, uh, we got YouTube and we got... Uh, you know, we, maybe there's a they're still playing on on Netflix, but uh, <laughs> um, but but my point is 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 you know my mentality started to shift to I don't want the fastest known time for the White Mountains Guide and like th these these projects are so long that it almost blurs the line between like what is a fastest known time and like whatever it is like that, that that I'm trying to do out here because of the length, because of the duration, because of the improbability that there's going to be someone to come along and actually challenge this stuff. And so in my mind, I kind of just said, you know what, I don't I don't care about like whatever fastest known time is listed on the website, like for, for, for this standard for the White Mountains Guide, especially one that doesn't have any data or, or anything backing it up. I'm going to go after the single season and in getting the single season, I will break that fastest known time by however many months. And I will, I will, I will do that knowing that I don't need a website to validate to validate anything, to you know, validate my effort. I, I don't need a, a website to be attached of or attached to or a name to be attached to because I want my projects to seem more hip. Like I'm just super, super content. And, and confident in this idea that like what I'm doing doesn't look like anything else that's being done right now. Um, and, that, and that my projects, you know, may, may represent the, fa the fastest time at what I'm doing, but even more importantly, represent a sense of pioneership in the White Mountain National Forest. And like, that's more on brand than like FKT land, you know? And I mean, like even, even something like you know, I've walked the 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 Kangamangas Highway twice in, in a calendar day. The Kangamangas Yo-Yo is what I called it, unsupported um, in winter. Could easily submit to, that to the fastest known time website. There isn't even even anyone out there who's done it. Um, but it's not fastest known time culture. It's White Mountains culture. I've done I've done the the Pemigewasset Loop and the Presidential Traverse 
in the same calendar winter day. No one's done that. Be super easy for me to go out and submit that as a fastest known time. It's not fastest known time culture. It's White Mountains culture. Just to totally drill this point in, my most recent project, like the White Mountains Wilderness Route, could easily go in and 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 put that on a website and call it the fastest known time, even though no one's ever done it before. And like, yes, potentially like get some more eyes on it and get it to a point where other people are are trying it. But it just like in terms of what's important and like at least in my brain, what has like the higher weight of 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 meaning, um, the greater the greater depth in in terms of just like what these projects actually are. I don't know. The 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 pioneership, the White Mountains culture title to me definitely is more important. It's more interesting. It's more impressive. And like I don't know if it's like the kid from Worcester in me or like what it is. But to me, I feel like knowing what I did and having documented it for three years straight and not putting it on the website <clears throat> is like a way bigger flex than like running to like FKT like dot com and like, you know, like just, you know, trying to shove them 200 GPX files, <laughs> like hoping to God that like they understand that a portion of these trails like don't exist where they once did because of all the major hurricane and storm storm damage that has completely washed this stuff out hoping that they that they understand that like you're out there in the middle of 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 nowhere with like zero gps service and your watch just decides to like have a gap like in, in a portion of trail that like you clearly walk it's just it's like this is being said with a lot of respect to like what people do in that field. And, and, and like, I have friends who are like kind of becoming major players in that world. My friend, Will Peterson, you know, just set the unsupported fastest known time for the long trail in, in four days. Such, Mind. Yeah. Some, yeah. Something yeah. scary. So like, I have a lot of respect for who these people are, what they're doing. And of course what the appeal is. And I think that, you know, for some folks, this is the pioneer. But it's a different trip. animal. It's a different animal. It's a, it's a different animal. And, and I think um, I finally got into the place where I'm like really cool with it, you know, and like, um, again, for some people, I think like, yeah, like the long, like for my buddy Will, the long trail, fastest known time, unsupported, especially like in the fashion that he did it so convincingly. That is, that's, you know, that's not just like, you know, whittling down a couple hours or getting a, a mark, you know, spec in before somebody else. That's making a statement. And that's definitely got more of a pioneership feel. And I know like those more mainstream, notable routes in the FKT T world, you know, this this kid's done the 48 FKT supported. He's done the White Mountains Diaratissima unsupported FKT. He's now got the unsupported for the long trail. Those are his marks of pioneership. Like that is the standard that he's reaching for. And so I respect that. Um, but that's not me. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Sean, what were you going to say? Oh, man. That's a tough uh, ask. But what, what, I, what I, I was going to say um, <laughs> is in regards to the FKT thing, like I think, and I, and I think you, you said it, it, it there is a, a level of respect and what, what you've done. Um, I mean, you don't need to, to put it on FKTs and it's, and it's different, right? Like um, the calendar year, for example, right? Like the 48 in the calendar year, like how, how do you accumulate that? Like, then is it 
the total cumulative time that you've done it? And then would it, you take it as a different way? Like, would you attack it in a different way? Or, I mean, and for you personally, like, I think whatever you set out to do is more important than any website could post. Um, I I agree. And like, you know, where this, <laughs> I, I'd be lying if I said that, like, you know, we, we all, we all, I, I think it's, it's easy to kind of like lament something a bit, like when you see it grow in massive popularity. And I'm, I've never pretend to be some kind of like player in the FKT game, but like, especially like post COVID, I mean, you just saw so many people using this term and it was just like, you know, okay, that's cool. I understand the appeal, but I even started to see like people comment after I finished the, the single season white mountains guide, or I'm sorry, the, the single, uh, the single year grid where I would refer to it as the fastest known time, just like in casual writing or an article or whatever. And like, I even saw people like who have, you know, with all due respect, zero skin in the game making comments where it is where is it on the website you shouldn't be using that terminology you need to go through the the official process of like you know ha and it's just like guys i don't have any i don't want i kind of don't want any part of it you know and, and and again on top of that kind of to your to your point sean like yes okay that's that's you know that's a little tough to see but but most of that that sentiment comes from just being very confident and comfortable with like what I have done and, and where it falls in this whole super, super big, um, big, big scope of like endurance, long distance hiking. I'll kind of use this as like um, a point to kind of con conclude this, this portion of the conversation. And, and I think it, it, it totally like backs up what I've kind of just been saying here. Um, Look, there's going to like at some point there's going to be someone that comes along and like they're going to look at the single year grid and they're going to say, how do I want to do this better? And they're going to figure out, OK, I, um, you know, when I did the first and the last month of the of the single year grid, I did them as White Mountain Diretissima routes. So I connected all 48 4000 footers um in in one continuous go 220 miles and um that first and that last month that's the weird thing about the single year grid or like the you know the grid fkt the first and the last month are the only two months where you have any influence over the elapsed time of the project because i think yes if for some reason this ever got competitive like you would count it based on elapsed time from the moment you step off the first trailhead that first month to the moment you step off step off the last trailhead that last month um I, I chose to do those two rounds like in the slowest, most arduous, most securitous way possible, right? Because you're going to walk 220 miles and every single mile in between these 4,000 footers versus if you were approaching it in, in a supported capacity, you'd be going from trailhead to trailhead to trailhead. You'd have a crew, you'd have a running vest, yada, yada. So if someone, if someone wanted to come along and say, like, I want to do this faster, there'd be a very clear path to do that. However, I think that, you know, it lacks, you know, someone does it in 315 days, 310 days. It's impressive. It's interesting. It's a huge push. It's a huge commitment of time. I do think that it lacks the pioneership 
um, that the that the original project had, um, even though it's going to have the fastest known time attached to it. And I think you could say that again for the single season White Mountains Guide. Some cat is going to come along, some weird kid that's like reading my blogs now at like 15, 16 are going to, you know, wait like whatever, five years and they're going to come along and, and come out of the woodwork and want to do this. And they'll do it in 86 days or 88 days or 80 days. And it will be cool and impressive and interesting and, and a large push. But again, I think it lacks, it lacks that sense of um, pioneership compared to the original project. Again, even if it has the fastest known time component attached to it for me over here, as I'm starting to look at like, how do we push these lists forward, having just completed a single season White Mountains Guide and having just completed a single year, single year grid before that, it, it actually like if you're tapping into the pioneership element, if you're like moving completely away from fastest known time culture and tapping into White Mountains culture, which is what I'm interested in, you completely let go of this concept of like, how do I do like each one of these quicker? Like that doesn't matter. It like lacks the pioneership. For me, it's like, okay, I know the next step is combining them both in the same calendar year. So completing the White Mountains grid, all 48, 4,000 footers every single month for 12 consecutive months while simultaneously filling in all 650 trails, 2,000 miles of the White Mountains guide in that same calendar year, the single year grid guidebook. For me, that is the step of, fine, of pioneership that, that should be taken when it comes to these two massive list-based projects in, in the White Mountains. Like, has nothing to do with, with doing either one of them faster than than's already been done. Anybody can come along and do that. You need to take them to a new place. Um, and, and I believe that's that's kind of that's kind of the next step. And so I just bring that up to kind of give an, an audacious kind of uh, um, look into what could potentially be in the pipeline for me, but also to like drill home this idea of like, <laughs> like I just, yeah, my like my psychology when it comes to this stuff, like I, I understand like the endurance world, the FKT world, I know we love our labels. Like, I know, like, we want to, like, put everybody in a box and categorize everybody and, like, you know, we want to make sure we understand what they're doing and that it makes sense and that it falls in line. But I don't want any part of that. Like, I want to look really, really different. I want to have each of my projects have my own signature on it. Um, you know, when, when I talk about or when I'm out actually trying to do the guidebook and the grid in the same year and, like, some cat, like, hears about it, I want them to know, like, oh, that's probably that that Phil Karsha kid, you know, kid out there, like, like up to some wild shit. Um, and that's like, yeah, that's kind of how I see a lot of this stuff right now. Like in this particular season, season of my practice, I hope that makes sense. It does. And, uh, some of that stuff, right? Like is, I think is more in that, in that vein, but like your wilderness route, that's like a straight up, fkt route right like i mean it's yeah right like it's yep. point to point right yep. like yep. and it's how do we get here to here and this is the route like that's it, it's it's almost a different animal than yep. what you write with the the um the the guidebook and yep. the uh 48 yep. right and and like my biggest hope would be that you know without having it um excuse the phrasing here, 
hoard out on the fastest known time website um, to to the masses. My 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 hope would be that like it kind of has a little bit of um, an underground identity um, and, and potentially become something that like someone else can take to the website if if they feel like that's what, what they want to do with it. I'm, I'm not sitting here like lamenting the day that any of this stuff goes up onto the FKT site. Like I expect that. I expect somebody, that's why I put this stuff out there as prolifically as I do. Like I expect someone to want to do the Kankamangas Highway yo-yo faster than me or like do it period and then wonder how quickly I did it and say, you know what, let's get this on the board. I'm going to go out there, do it quicker than Phil, show respect, and then actually categorize it. I'm not lamenting that. I think that'd be cool. If that's like the natural progression of of these projects, that'd be cool. If someone wants to take the the fastest known time on the single year grid and they want to go through all the work of you know submitting all their data and and prove it and make it a big thing, like I support that. Like I'll be the first person to like show show love, but it's probably not going to originate like with Philip Karsha. Um and some people understand that and like some people don't and like it's all good man like it's all good either way like everybody's out there for the same reason and that is their own reason and i've got mine these can have theirs like i'll have hers and um the hope is i think that like we're just able to like show other people what's possible and and help inspire like their their own journeys along the way because that's like the one non-selfish component of this whole thing um that I think is very worth leaning into, you know, this idea that you can, it can be about more than just like me, me, me and numbers and like records and like FKTs and like all these things are lovely. But if people are looking at what you're doing and they're starting to like get creative and, and do their own stuff, which like I've been super humbled to kind of like see that start to take place, like in my own network, like having some of these younger kids hit me up and say like, oh, dude, I I was telling you, uh, Megan, about uh, this dude, Connor, this gentleman, Connor Brown, this young kid just turned 22. And he went out and did two 24 hour days, one on North Uncanoonic in Southern New Hampshire and one on South Uncanoonic in, in Southern New Hampshire. 24 hours, he got like 48 summits on North, I think 58 summits on South. You know, this kid's doing it in excess of 60 miles, 65 miles and climbing like over 30,000 uh, feet of vertical uh, on these endurance days. And you know, he kind of first told me about what he was doing back in the winter. He came on a group hike. He said he was inspired by, you know, Wachusett project um, that I had done where I went out for a calendar day and just was asking like advice and 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 like inviting me to sort of like be there on these days. And um, that to me is like just as fulfilling as like walking away with the, you know, the the goal in hand on any of these projects. Like I'm I'm almost 40. This kid is is just turning 22. In 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 20 years from now, you know, when I'm turning 60 and he's like, you know, new, newly 40, I mean it kind of gives me hope that there's going to be some of these these younger kids thinking creatively, taking on projects that I still, you know, that that I will enjoy watching um whether like I'm on the sidelines or not. Um it's very cool to see and and to me it's like one of the most meaningful hat tips that I can personally get at this stage in my practice. Cause guess what? You do enough stuff in the outdoors and you put it online enough, you're going to be called a beast, an animal, a crusher, a stud, 
blah, 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 like more times than you can imagine more times than, than, than like even, even matter, you know, it's just, you become so desensitized to the likes and the shares and just people hyping you up, um, to see that stream of impact, you know, where you have somebody 20 years younger than you thinking creatively, looking at his contemporaries, seeing what they're doing and saying, Hey, I want to do my own thing. And then also like tipping a hat and inviting you like he, this kid doesn't need me. This kid is so much stronger than me. This kid is, he's the real deal. And he, and if we were to ever to go head to head on North Uncanunic in 24 hours, I don't <laughs> care the outdoor resume. I don't care the public perception of like the wolf and Philip Karsha. He'd smoke me. Um, maybe not smoke me, but like he, you know, he, he's, he's extremely skilled and extremely fit and he doesn't need me, but like just the invite to be there and be present and like he's the next generation. Yeah, it sounds corny to even say that. But no, like, it truly, it I mean we like, Sean and I both have kids, so we get it. It's we it's want true. Yeah. And you want and you want that and like yeah. I have a lot of stuff left that I want to do in the White Mountains. Um, but it's also like very cool to be acknowledged by that that group and to know that like. Yeah, when you're out there in the middle of nowhere going live, you know what I mean, from this wilderness area at nine or 10 o'clock at night, like, you know, there's cats out there watching and they're using it to shape their own practice. And that is like, yeah, that's like very, very cool. So, you know, to, to bring this to a close, I have three sort of very small kind of silly questions. Okay. But, but have to know. Sure. The first one is your favorite trail. Second is your favorite peak. And third, what is the craziest thing you've ever seen? While as craziest, funniest, whatever, most notable thing you've ever seen while out hiking. We did it, by the way, we did a podcast. I mean, Sean, it must have been like almost a year ago, I think, of just people sending in stories of the crazy stuff that we've seen while running, hiking, biking, whatever. We always love these stories. So, so yeah, three. Okay. Three little questions. <laughs> uh, that la that last one might might I might have to throw a plot twist in your direction. Um, but okay, I, but I think I got a good one. Um, and this isn't in the order that you asked, but um, That's okay. Easiest to answer um, to maybe hardest. Uh, favorite peak always has been, always will be Mount Adams. Mm. Um, second highest peak in the White Mountains, only second to Mount Washington. Mm -hmm. um, it is second pe highest peak in the Presidential Range. And um, I honestly feel like Mount Adams is the center of the universe. It's the center of the, of the White Mountains. It's it's the second peak that I ever climbed in the Whites. And um, having done the guidebook now and and really truly being able to see every trail that leads to all of these peaks, 4,000 footers or not, you just get a deeper sense of like the personality, you know, the character of, of these areas. And if you look at the trails leading up to the summit of Mount Adams and in the vicinity of Mount Adams. It's just, it's, it is, it is a beautiful, brutal, rugged network that takes you deep into glacial cirques and up above like the, um, the amazing Alpine in the white mountains. You will go into a place called King ravine, which is one of my favorite, favorite places on the, on the planet. Anybody, anybody listening, um to this podcast should actually uh stop what they're doing and start making plans to get out to king ravine uh the great the great gulf wilderness also has some trails that lead up to mount adams um just an unbelievable peak 
4,000 footer, of course, and uh, one that everybody should visit at least once in their life. Um, favorite trail, to be honest with you, almost an impossible question to answer considering like now. I kind of figured that's why yeah, I asked. Yeah, <laughs> now, now, now I've seen all of them. Um, I'm going to I'm going to quickly in my brain go through just like the different sections of the guidebook. I know I'm going to probably be forgetting a couple, but let me just let me just rattle off um, a, a few for you folks. So um, if you are. Yeah, if you're over in like the Evans Notch area, if you're looking for like less mainstream stuff, so non 4000 footers. Um, I would suggest going over to the Evans Notch area. This is Eastern White Mountain National Forest, Western Maine. Um, I would look at um, a peak called Caribou Peak, Caribou Mountain, and I believe that's the Caribou Loop Trail, um, or possibly the the um, yeah. There's a there's a loop trail that goes around uh, Caribou Mountain, and that is like absolutely absolutely gorgeous. I would look into Spalding Mountain, Blue, Blueberry Mountain. I'm not giving like trails, but like really the the networks to lead up to these these areas. Like you you can't really go wrong. Um, and and also like the the bald faces as well. Um, so the yeah. bald face circle trail is really really gorgeous. If you're in the Presidentials, I would say definitely check out King Ravine, for sure. So the King Ravine Trail um, is amazing. The Great Gully Trail is amazing. If you're in the Great Gulf Wilderness. Um, and so now you're going to kind of be climbing up onto the shoulder of like Adams, Jefferson and Washington. I would look at, um, the great Gulf trail, which is on the white mountains wilderness route. Um, absolutely insane. I would look at the six husbands trail, um, which is absolutely in insane kind of climbing up to the shoulder of, um, of Mount Jefferson. If you're like way, way North, like in, in the guidebook, um, to be honest with you, I would suggest that you, uh, hike something called the Coas trail um which is like 175 miles point to point starting or ending at the canadian border going all the way down to crawford notch um but you just climb over like some of the presidentials but you get into some like really really cool country up there like you go um over mount martha and owl's head not not the 4000 footer owl's head but there's another owl's head Oh, okay. Um, yeah, you kind of get up into like just this beautiful North Country, like the Connecticut Lakes, the trail surrounding there. Um, I really love the AT from Hanover all the way to Mount Musilock. Um, so there's 50 miles there. It's also known as like the Dartmouth uh, 50 miles or 50 miler. Um, again, it's the AT, but it's comprised of like many different trails along the way. You go over Moose Mountain, you would go over Smarts, you go over Cube. Um, this is like yeah, turning your question into uh, into into a circus, but there's like there. I mean, you know, after the first year of the guidebook, I said to myself, every trail in the guidebook is worth seeing twice. After the second year of the guidebook, I said to myself, there are a lot of trails in this particular piece of literature that I don't need to see more um, than two than two times. Um, but I'll, I'll kind of stand by the statement that like. There isn't a single trail in the White Mountains that you shouldn't see at least once. And I would encourage everybody to 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 work on the guidebook. And there are hidden gems in every area that you go to. And it's just it's a matter of a uh, matter of just getting out there and seeing, you know, what's what and, and noting it and, um, you know, continuing to e extend that knowledge base. Um, question three, craziest thing I've ever seen in the outdoors. Um, for whatever reason, I've like never come across anyone in distress 
anyone in desperate need of help. Um, I hardly come across wild animals. Um, never, never mind individuals who are who are struggling. I think some of that has to do with uh, just the fact that I'm out in these like lesser traveled areas quite a bit. But um, for me, like the most chaos, violence, distress um, that I've seen on the trail has been like a product of experiences that, that I've personally gone through. Um, so yeah, I guess two years before I started the single year grid, this was 2016. Um, I fell at 12, at 12,000 feet on the shoulder of Mount Whitney, um, which is the highest, highest point in the contiguous US, I think 14,500 feet. Um, it was my fourth climb of the mountain. Um, I was very foolishly choosing to kind of bushwhack and down climb through like a boulder choked um, little, little ravine eventually leading back to the trail that I was that I was needing to get on to get back to my car. And I was by myself and I had already summited and I was heading back down and it was raining and uh, just, you know, made a, a series of very poor decisions, um, not realizing it at the time, but in retrospect. Um, and yeah, I fell about 35 feet. I was knocked unconscious. Um, somehow I was intercepted by a group of rock climbers who were kind of like hanging out underneath the overhang of a boulder, avoiding the rain. One of them had gone further up, up the trail just to kind of see if there was any feasible climbing. And he saw me standing. I have no recollection of this like face completely ripped open blood you know everywhere kind of like shimmying back to the trail so like i don't know there was something like happening in my brain at that point where it's like i was up and moving but like i have no recollection of any of this happening and um the first memories that i start to have are i'm walking down the trail in the rain soaking wet i've got a bandana like um tied ar around my head and i'm following this like figure that i that i don't know and he's effectively like leading me back to this overhang where his friends are gathered and like we're getting there and they're kind of like assessing this situation. Fortunately, like the rock climber, the rock climber that found me was like a a resident in an emergency room in oh, the, wow. bay, the Bay Area. And so like they didn't have like a ton of stuff with them, but like this cat was like very even keeled. Um, like you could tell just like had a sense of like what to do in a really messed up situation and you know they tried to climb or to call search and rescue to just even see if it was feasible to like get somebody out there that night but it was super stormy we were like still above like eleven thousand feet um and we did have stuff to stay out overnight and so um long story short you know they they, they kept me safe and dry overnight in their tent um and they walked out with me the next morning they had to like belay me down like class wow. one or class two scrambles because i had so much ptsd from the experience the day before that i wasn't even able to like start on those routes and this is like stuff that you'd probably see in the white mountains and like you literally wouldn't even think about it it's just like steep no i know i know what you mean yeah um, in there I, yeah. yeah yeah but i was like really gripped yeah. and um you know, if anybody out there has ever climbed Mount Whitney, you know that there's like a 15 mile road leading up from Lone Pine to the trailhead that is like 
super switchbacky, very windy. You climb from like 4,000 feet up to whatever the trailhead elevation is, like seven or 8,000 feet. And um, I couldn't even like drive that. I had to have these guys like drive me down into town just because I felt so rocked from what had happened. But also like this PTSD thing was so, I was so scared of like going over, like of yeah. going through anything that felt as violent as as what I had just gone through because it was absolutely insane. And um, yeah, I mean, again, long story short, like got into like a rural little uh, a rural little clinic in Lone Pine, California, and they spent like two hours sewing up my face and like the back of my ear, which had almost been ripped off, in like a doctor's office that like really came. I mean, it pretty much equated to be like an unused classroom. You know what I mean? Like it was super like out in the middle of nowhere. And it felt like there were two people in the clinic at that point, like the doctor and like the what it was just like. And um, yeah, spent probably like three days in a hotel room in Lone Pine, California, paying like one hundred and sixty dollars a night because that was the only like accommodation that was that was available. And there was like no way that I could drive. But um yeah, when you ask about like the craziest thing that I've seen on trail, like I mean, just as far as life experiences, never mind like on trail experiences, you know, that is 100% probably the only time that I've 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 ever thought about like my own like thought that I could be could not potentially get out. Um, it, it's the only time that I feel like I've really like been brushed up against death, like on the, on the trail itself. And like, when I think about all of the other people that I've come across, all of the people just like having a hard day or slightly sick or carrying too heavy of a pack. I mean, like for me, that experience like is way out there beyond anything that I've seen anybody else go through. Um, and I've had a couple other little, little uh, hiccups here or there, but, um, yeah, live to die another day. There you go. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for experience, you know, you're sharing your experience, strength and hope with us. This has been beyond cool. We will definitely have to have you back on because we need to, we need to keep updated on these adventures and also, you know, keep us in mind when you're doing things like this, if, you know, if you need support, if you need crew, um, just let us know, you know, um, either we can help you. We know people that can help you. We can post it. Just, you know, let us know what kind of, what kind of trail love you need. I'm going to be up in the whites, um, think on Thursday. Um, don't have a plan yet. Haven't figured it, haven't quite figured it out. I don't even know what the weather is going to be, but, um, we'll be having some sort of adventure. I'm not at the project cool. level yet. I'm not, I don't think I, I don't think I feel like I'm, hardcore enough to say projects for me i'm just messing around and it's adventures <laughs> no i i almost like i almost made this comment at the beginning of the conversation like i kind of feel like those two two terms at least in my mind are synonymous like they, they are um, i think they are i'm just i'm just being silly yeah but, yeah you're yeah. definitely on project level trust me uh maybe 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 in a, like, a little bit of healing to do but uh i'll, sean, I'll get there sean is definitely uh on project level yeah sean well. yeah you're you're there when you're there going running I'm that just, far i'm just dumb and thick-headed <laughs> well that too i think that's part of what enables your projects to reach completion sean is doing um jigger johnson when when is that sean august 14th yeah are you what are you running the hundred the running well <laughs> um 
Wow, dude, that's huge. That's amazing. Good, for, good for you. Like, yeah, I, um, in in like my FOMO state of like getting a span of good weather where I can go out and uh, execute just like one of my own little projects. I've I've been hesitant to register or even volunteer for that trail race, but um, love Christina and Remy. I think they're like great people and they've always shown like a lot of love to me. And um, it's not lost on me like how insane of a course that's going to be, man. So geez, good, good, good for you. I, I can't wait to see um, how you do out there, man. Like that's going to be a huge day. Yeah. Like or, I'm saying, I'm saying two. that in a, or two. Yeah. And I'm <laughs> saying that like in an encouraging way, like when you walk away from that, man, that's going to be like, that's going to feel really good. Yeah. It's, um, I, <laughs> trying to put the, the training in to do it has given me an immense amount of respect about what it's going to be. I mean, we just, um, a group of, so a, a group of my friends kind of signed up after they didn't get into Western States, uh, 100 and they're like, Oh, let's do this. And then kind of wrote me into it and we went out and they went out and spent the whole week reconning the entire course. And I came out one day cause of family commitments and stuff. And we did the section from, uh, from Tremont to Hancock cock notch got it right sawyer lake and and all that and um just that that section i mean the washout that exists going up the sawyer river from the the weather that you guys have experienced this year um when you were talking about sections that are overgrown because people i mean how many people go past hancock to like do the hancock loop and, and go further further out on that trail to like right. to swear like no i mean right. it's it's just super overgrown with laurels yep. and yep that that trail's like washed out and then you know they're talking about freaking mud bogs and, and south mo and i mean the i think the the most probably traverse section will be the tecumseh freaking osceola's like and those aren't super <laughs> you know, traverse sections. Those but. are still tough, man. And it's like, yeah, going down the backside of Tecumseh. I mean, like, yeah, it's going to be, um, it's going to be really cool for you, man. Like you're going to see like a bunch of new stuff when you're out there. Is that, is that right? Like, well, have you gone through a lot of these places before or no? Just, just that basically that 20 mile section from Tremont to, to Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So you haven't been like over up over Kerrigan or anything? No. So I haven't, um, I don't spend a ton of time. I, we have a place up in, in, Vermont so I spend most of my time up in the greens and not much in New Hampshire right like I feel like there's like a dichotomy you need to you need to spend of, more of time people. in the like, whites with us <laughs> I feel like I feel like if you live if you do Vermont you do Vermont mostly and if you do New Hampshire you do like and I feel like it's almost a divide right down the center line of Massachusetts and in Rhode Island right like it's just like what's where's the mountains closer for you right right yeah. right yeah and I so so, I mean, I've done, I've done, I mean, the, I've done some races and trail adventures in the whites, um, but not, nothing like this. It'll be, it'll be different. I'm excited for you, man. I'm excited to hear what you think about it. I mean, I know it's not like the Prezies or Franconia Ridge, but a lot of those mountains are, are super, super lovely in their own right. Kerrigan is lovely. And like, yeah, to your point, you know, the way that they take you through, that route you do branch off onto stuff that is like um far less traveled than 
than like the, the, the primary trail networks. And yeah, I just, that stuff just gives you such a, a deep appreciation for what we have up there. It's going to be cool to see you come out the other side. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you are honored guest. What, what song did you choose um, as our outtake song today and why? Um, you know what? I had completely forgotten about a outtake song until you reminded me at the beginning of the of the podcast. Um, so this was the selection was just based on a song that I've been listening to off and on for like the last several months. And it it uh, popped into my head while I was feeling extremely embarrassed that I had completely disregarded and forgotten your request. But I think we're going to go with um <laughs> Tears for fears. Everybody wants to rule the world. Great song. Great album. Love it. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. I hope we literally cross paths in real life um, sometime soon. Uh, I mean, we're, we're bound to. We're bound to. Uh, we're bound to one of these days. Um, we will. We will for and, sure. And again, thank you. Thank you for sharing your experience. And also, um, if people want to find Phil, um, he's going to send me a bunch of links. Um, how, you, you know, you can check him out. You can see what he's done. Um, if you're not following him on social media, um, Philip Garcia, please do his you, just even if you didn't do what you do, um, your photography and is amazing. Thank you. Um, that alone, um, you know, because we have a lot of people that that are on, you know, that listen to the podcast that really aren't endurance athletes, but your photography um, is is way cool. So, um, so we'll share a bunch of ways to connect with Phil, cool. and yeah. So, uh, hope to see you out there. Thank you again. Yep, nice to talk to you both, and um, happy trails. Absolutely. Take care. Yep.